Three Dogs North is an attempt to objectify the subjective with little violence as possible. The following has been torn from its origins in space and time and put entirely at your disposal. So I have a little grace I could share this morning. Sweet. I have a question to ponder as well, too. So let's hear your grace. Mike, what did you bring? Um, Besides your really bad ring light. uh, That's what I was going to say, but you took it. (laughs) I was going to say my bad ring light, Mm -hmm. but then you said it instead of me. I said it. Uh It became a thing that I brought. Well, I was going to bring that Rob brought (laughs) Ed. A shadowy Chesterton mug, which is super cool. A little silhouette. Look at that. Mm-hmm. It says Look on this mustache. side that the riddles of God are more satisfying than the solutions of man. I don't know mm-hmm. what that means. I think I might have drank out of that cup before. I think you I did. at your house. I think you did. Okay. I call that mug next time we hang out. <laughs> Dibs which called is it. pretty soon. <laughs> Ringing out. So stay away from it. <laughs> I will find you. <laughs> All right. You, it looks like you like the big mugs, Mike. Absolutely. I mean, that, that could probably hold a 16-ounce cup of coffee, right? <laughs> yeah. This is essentially the big gulps of coffee. Mm-hmm. I'm not a fan of those. I, I can't drink it while it's still hot. It's sure you can. Oh, no. You just got to change how you drink it, man. Yeah, you're just not drinking coffee coffee fast enough. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's... not a problem. I can solve that for you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, My issue is how can I drink a bowl worth of coffee during morning prayer? And Mm -hmm. the only solution to that is you need a bowl-sized mug, which I have. (laughs) Speaking of bowl-sized mugs, I do have a few of those size mugs, and that's what I eat ice cream out of. Because okay. it makes you feel like it's not. Oh, I'm not having a full bowl of ice cream. I'm just having no, a mug I'm just of having it. one. I'm just gonna have one <laughs> mug of ice cream. <laughs> that is deceptive. Yeah. Even hearing it, I believe you. That's a little less. It's got to be. <laughs> Especially if you pack it in, like a cold stone. Mm. Anyways, uh, so my grace was that I had forgotten that we were gonna podcast this morning, so I left my computer and stuff over at Newman, which is about a block away. And uh, as I was going to bed, I stayed up just like a tad too late watching a, a Bulls game from the other night. And and Tim got back uh, from hanging with his family and we chatted for a little bit. And as I was climbing into bed, I was like, ah, I should look at my calendar. And since I don't have my smartphone on me all the time, I don't have my calendar on me all the time. Um. So I like went to my iPad. I was like, oh, we're casting. And it was like 1130. And I thought, should I go get my computer now? Or should I go get it in the morning? Or should I text the guys and tell them, let's not cast? Mm. (laughs) And I think the fact that I can't group text uh, made me not, maybe just like deal with it. I was like, you know what? It's, It's not that big a deal. I don't have that long of a day tomorrow. We can get up early and cast. Then as I was waking up this morning, um, I knelt down to make my morning offering, and it just occurred to me, like, 
Okay, I kind of don't want to be awake right now, uh, but I was just filled with a, a sense of gratitude, like that I have this thing to get up for, that I have these two friends, uh, that we have this podcast and that people actually listen to it. I was just filled with deep gratitude, like who am I to complain about this? Um, now I'm here and I hate it, but... Um, <laughs> But at the time, that sounds amazing. At the time, it was, a, it was a really big grace. No, it was just one of those moments where you, God just kind of shows you, like, you have a you have a lot going for you, dude. A lot of good gifts, people in your life. And, and even the providence of it all, like, we're talking right now, and it won't be posted for a while. And then somebody might not listen for many moons. But you, your prayer right before we started, praying for the listeners, I was just thinking about them and um, who might listen to our words at, at any given time. It's so not up to us that it's kind of beautiful that in God's providence, he, and we get emails on, on the reg that people heard something that they needed here at a given time or whatever. Anyways, all is to say, love you guys. Love you too, man. Nice. It's a great yeah. grace. I didn't expect that. Thanks. All because of no group texting. Mm-hmm. There you go. This dumb phone is the gift that keeps on giving. Wow. Thank you, Clean Shell. Dude, and how about Holly? Oh, Holly Gorton. Reaching out. Shout out. It was probably six years ago, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they had a podcast themselves, Halfway Saints. Her and Daniel, her husband, remember? Yeah. Oh yeah! Oh mm-hmm. gosh! Huh? That's so cool. I was I was really touched having just a listener for six or seven years like that mm-hmm. to to be so consistent and um, I don't know it was really affirming as well. But yeah, for the listeners, she was the one that made the clamshell tactical <laughs> crocheted hip clip for Mike. <laughs> Yeah, it was beautiful. <laughs> Which I think there's an old, an old photo. Yeah, we used uh, it for the show art for oh, that did episode. We? Okay, mm-hmm. an old wooden ship, San Diego. Mm. Um, yeah, it's true. I hadn't really thought too much about the uh, the providential nature of the podcast because obviously when we're talking, it's relevant to. You know, all the day's news. That's what we speak to the human experience. Mm-hmm. We're kind of like a context. talk radio show where we just comment on the news. Yeah. We gather mm-hmm. intel just ravenously. We do intense <laughs> research. You should see all the people working behind the scenes on this thing. There are... Handing me notes. None. <laughs> there are none. But then when... When the words actually enter into people's heads and their ears, it could be, it could be whenever, man. That that's that's really cool. Looking at it from the lens of providence, I like that a lot. Hmm. All right, I have a question, Rob. Do you have anything to add? No, go ahead. Do you do a morning offering every morning? Yeah, Connor. That that routine. What does that look like? You just pop out of bed and. 
Mm, yeah, I hit snooze a couple times usually, and then when I finally decide it's time, um, I usually get up and pray at my bed. Just I have a morning offering I memorized from the brown scapular uh, that I say, and then I usually just do a little extemporaneous espontaneo oration. That's spontaneous prayer, mm-hmm. Rob. Thank you. Uh-huh. Thank you. Did you call him Bob? <laughs> oh, man, dude. Your name is Bob. Wow. <laughs> hey, maybe I'll be like the, I... the Jerry of Parks and Rec where my name just changes from time to time. Jerry. <laughs> I, just for the record, I think I called you Rob. Yeah, but that sounded like Bob to me. You, I don't, you, you kind of look like a Bob this morning, though. Mm-hmm. Mm. My grandpa was Bob Johnson. It's a good I was, name. I was going to ask if that was ever on the table. Are you Rob in order to distinguish between Bob and Rob? Mm, I guess so. I, I think it was always intended it was just to, to be Rob. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, do you guys make morning offerings? I can't say that I do. I mean, I pray in the morning. Mm-hmm. But the the practice of the morning morning offering of like, yeah, hitting the knees right when you get out of bed, I think it's a great it's a great practice. But no, I can't say that I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I do, I do. I didn't this morning because I I woke up scrambling to to hop on to here. Um, but yeah, I I normally do as well. I usually just start with the glory be. Thank you, Jesus, for the day. Mm-hmm. Thank you for for one more. Anywho, yeah. Did I ever tell you, <laughs> Rob? I think I when I was in seminary, I told you my routine of uh, oh yeah, waking up and doing my morning <laughs> offering in seminary because I just I, I'm not good at going to bed. That that that's really my issue, which means that I'm not good at waking up. But I love doing the holy hour before mass in the morning over at the deacon chapel mm. way way back in the day when we were in in pt and had old augustus belauskas there with us mm. and gosh these were heady years man that was a long time man, ago that was a long time ago and just full of this zeal man that was 10 11 years ago mm-hmm. that's crazy yeah um <laughs> <laughs> had no Wi-Fi, had no internet. Period. <laughs> That's right. And uh, had the old clamshell. And you took your on our when uh, Father Bama took us on our city tour. You took your iPad to take pictures. Because uh, <laughs> that's before we were like buddies, and I was like, "Who <laughs> is this weird tall man?" <laughs> oh my gosh, is he a thousand years old? Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> And it had one of those. But at the time, I was like, "Dang it, dude! He has an iPad. That's awesome. I want an iPad." It was sick. It was sick. People were jealous. People were looking. It's not a big deal. But it had uh, it had one of those protective cases too. (laughs) A protective case that also like unfolded into a keypad. Mm. And so, not only was it just an iPad, but it had like a whole keypad attached. Dangling (laughs) off. Are you using it as a camera? They were riding through Chicago on a bus, and I'm like, oh my gosh, look at that building. <laughs> with, a, with an iPad with a keyboard attached. 
But I used to roll out of bed and um and I I would do the snooze thing like you, Connor. Uh and I'd hit snooze like three or four times. And then I'd roll out of bed, do my morning offering, and inevitably during my morning offering, because I hadn't had it concise yet, and so it would just like overload it like seminary mm-hmm. with the seminary zeal, like I gotta say every prayer immediately right now, or else you know, like this morning offering is not sufficient. And inevitably, while I was doing my morning offering, I would re-fall asleep <laughs> on my knees on the bed. <laughs> so that I had to set another alarm <laughs> like 10 minutes into the future after I woke up. You, and, you and, did this enough times that you actually, part of your routine was setting an, an alarm setting for your morning offering nap. Another alarm to wake me up for my morning offering snooze. Yeah. Yeah. It was. Wow. <laughs> so there would be like five different alarms in the morning. Whoever lived next to me, I'm sure is like, what the hell is going on over there? Will this guy just wake up finally? Yeah. So the first were like five minutes apart. And then the fourth alarm was I'd give it like 20 minutes. Yeah. They'd wake me up. They that uh, feeling of like people being annoyed by your alarms. The, the cure for the snooze button is sharing a hotel room. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You're like, someone else is hearing how many times I hit snooze. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I'm not going to hit it as many times. I still do hit it. It's just part of my morning. Yeah. Something about that extra 10 minutes. Just glorious. Would you say the morning offering is like fruitful though for you? It is occasionally like it was this morning. Yeah. That's cool. I, I, it's just a habit. I think it like, um, it doesn't feel scrupulous. Like it, sometimes I don't, <clears throat> my brain is so scrambled. I don't remember all the words, but I'm no, just that's like, good. thank you, Lord. I'm yeah. I've thought about that. Like from time to time, I think about it more, but just the whole, the whole idea of like, like, um, devotions and like, real piety in in certain ways like that's really it's very cool we did not we always kind of like joke about this even in our family of like we grew up with like no devotions um Mm -hmm. and so they've never like honestly really been that important to me like the idea of i'll pray novenas and stuff like that sometimes um but we just didn't grow up with it at all so it's like not that big of a thing to me and it's not it's not central to like the dogmas of of the faith so i always say like i'm i'm bad at devotions like i'm just not good at them but it is cool to see people that like do like practice them reverently of like just there's a lot of uh like grounding fruits to them i think in in a lot of ways which is cool i don't know if you found that or not totally i I also didn't grow up with a a lot of devotion in the house um but yeah i mean it's like cardinal george always used to say that the catholicism is a way of life you know christianity it's not this floating seminar of ideas where you have to like do some do or say some unique thing every time there's there's a repetitive nature to it um but it's in the it's in the routine of it that like 
these really authentic experiences or um, insights come out of, but our, our bodies, our minds, our hearts are, they're in time, you know, even though we, we are capable of, of apprehending the eternal, the universal, um, our bodies still need to sleep every day, which is kind of weird when I, I, sometimes I think about that, like, why, why do I need to sleep so much? Um, it's like a third of my life, but there's something even sacramental about that, that you just must rest. You must do nothing right now. Um, so the fact that each day is, I mean, that's the liturgy of the hours too. Uh, um, sanctifying this cycle of death and resurrection of night and then dawn and all that stuff. Um, I remember Martis talking about how uh, the, at night prayer, the, you know, the responsory for the reading is always in, into your hands, Lord, I commend my spirit. And he made the point that, you know, as a priest, you will say these words every night, your whole priesthood. And then when you die, you will say them because you've said them every night before you go to sleep. And it's just this habit that, that, that should be the last words on your lips. That's what Jesus said when he died. That's what you should say when you die. Right. Um, and the, the prayer at the end of night prayers, may the Lord, what is it? May almighty God grant us a restful night and a peaceful death. Amen. Amen. Yeah, man. Okay. Yeah. That's so cool. Dude, I love that. Um, cause it's also like, so in prayer, it's, uh, it's like a preparation for it, but it's also like a current participation in that moment. And so then your life is not only preparing for that moment of death, but it's also like consistently each night actually living into the reality of what is going to come. So it's like right now into your hands, I commend my spirit. So then when I die, I'm not just saying like, okay, now I'm going to give you my whole life. It's like, I, I have been giving you my whole life each day. Mm -hmm. And so already now I'm in a place where I can actually say into your hands, Lord, I commend my spirit because I've given you each of these days, each of these nights in a sense, giving you my whole life. So it's, it's like a foreshadowing and a preparation, but it's also like a current participation in -hmm. that. So it's, it's both. That's what the liturgy does. It kind of brings both of those things together. It's timeless in a sense. Um, but something that you said, yeah, we, we, I actually grew up, well, we did, I wouldn't say a ton of devotions, but I was familiar with them because I, I grew up in a, um, it's like a pretty heavily Catholic community. And so it was definitely a part of the structure of day-to-day life. So I'd go to daily mass and things like that. And we had adoration and it wasn't uncommon to do, you know, like stations during Lent and rosary once a week. And mom and dad were pretty smart. They would do the divine mercy chaplet in the evening sometimes. And one, they, they would sing parts of it, which we love singing together, even though we were all terrible. It was like fun. And it was short enough. <laughs> I was like, dude, we can't make 11 kids pray the rosary. Like, that's just inhuman. <laughs> like, these people are savages. Someone will be hurt like, by the end of it. 
someone will definitely be hurt. We're going to be moving in the opposite direction <laughs> of holiness <laughs> in the span of just just this twenty five minutes. But we could do a divine mercy chaplet, and and again, we love singing it, and it was it was a lot of fun. Um, but it does seem like that is a big generational difference, and I see it especially with a lot of the um, our immigrant communities here in Atlanta. They they grew up and had a devotional spirituality, like a lot of our Hispanic families. They they in, encounter Christ and, and His church through those devotions. That's how they pray. And I think when they see like the younger generation that is more Americanized, which totally we could definitely um, increase our devotional practices and like, of course, a, a huge fan of all of those things. But I think they see them not praying the rosary every day and it's equivalent with um, like my, my child has no faith, which many times it is, you know, that 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 is a direct correlation. But um, no devotional practice equals no faith. Um, but I, I think it's also like a big generational gap mm-hmm. um, and a cultural gap, too. Yeah. Yeah. Like and I would say it's interesting, like the whole notion of devotion. It's just, I am kind of very interested in it because I would say that I grew up in a very devout household, like a very, mm-hmm. like, um, we just devotionals were not the, like the norm or the practice. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. There is something cause it's like, but go ahead. What? Yeah. What? Um, man, I don't know how to ask this question, but. Because I want to ask something like, what made your house devout without devotions? Because obviously the two are not synonymous. It's not like you have to do devotions to be a devout family. Right. But what I guess what did that, um, what was it, piety to the Lord look like in a non-devotional household? Yeah, I think, I mean, just going to, going to Mass, I mean, and belief in god i don't know you know how else to to say that like just kind of the traditional devotionals i just i i learned how to pray the rosary when i was in college you know like that's kind of the same devotional par excellence um which i love the rosary now and um so i don't know like what would make and it's even interesting there too of yeah i mean I, i think there, that is present in people that I've met of like the idea of not praying a rosary is a, equivalent to not practicing the faith or something like that, which is not like, that's not, that's not true. Um, even though it could be like certainly a sign that something is like adrift there. So I don't know. I was like, I remember I was always very attracted to um, in college when I first heard it. I was always attracted to the precepts of the church of like you, you go to mass and you receive communion at least once a year, you go to confession once a year and you give alms. Are there any other ones? Gosh, we should know those. There's five. (laughs) Uh, Go to mass every Sunday, uh, communion once a year, confession once a year, contribute to the needs of the church. And is it Friday? Is it the pen, uh, the fasting on Friday? Man, let's get our Rob. I'm gonna blame this. I'm gonna blame this one. We shouldn't have brought it up. 
Okay. Okay. <laughs> fine. But nice I remember guy. that was like a big moment for me in in college because there was always kind of this notion of like, yeah, especially kind of coming around, um, like the Catholic culture around the Newman Center in Champaign, which was awesome and always like super welcoming, and it's why I'm you know like still practicing today. But it was there. There can be like these moments of like. Like, oh my gosh, like, I don't know how to pray a rosary. Like, can I fit in here at all? You know, or like, I don't, I've never heard of this before. Like, um, and I, I remember it might have been Monsignor Ketchum. I don't know, like, just kind of the wisdom of a priest, like, told me about the precepts of the church. And he was like, Are you doing that? And I was like, Yeah. He's like, Okay, you're good. Like, you can just grow however Jesus wants you to grow then. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Because I think you need both. It's like, yeah, you have this, the beauty of devotions and we want to, you know, strive and learn them and encounter God's grace in and through them. But then also the freedom to have a place that people who don't know devotions are willing to t- speak up and learn. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, I'm not going to be shunned from this place or judged for not <laughs> for not already being a part of it. And, and knowing how this place rolls. And I think that's the freedom that uh, Monsignor Ketchum puts in there. It's like, look, this is what we, we're, we're Catholics. Well, it's a similar we're thing. Saying- I've always kind of had that notion of, um, and not to like, j- just like get on a tangent here from, from it, but uh, yeah, like the church is so big, but it's so beautiful um, with that type of freedom there of, um, like I've talked to people that have like never gone to like a Marian apparition site or, or, you know, and it's like, it's kind of like weird almost to hear about to them and even explaining to them of like, yeah, I mean, there's I, like, I, I tell my, usually might tell my story of being in Lords of like, like, I think it's the best place in the world and totally legit, but like, you don't have to like, buy into it to be like an Orthodox Catholic either, you know? And I don't know. It's just that type of stuff we don't like think of or talk about too often. I guess the only thing um, that I would modify or maybe not dispute, but uh, push on a little bit to me is like, I, I didn't grow up with the rosary. I had to, t- I learned it myself in college, et cetera. And, um, part of like private revelation and, and devotion, some that come out of them, like the divine mercy chaplet. I've never really gotten into that. Um, sometimes it just feels like layer on layer of, um, all this stuff. And it, it does feel like, like my mind, uh, is kind of essentialist. Like I just want to get down to what is the basic meaning of all of this? Um, so I, I resonate with what you're saying, Rob, like the precepts of the church, the basics, but, I'll also say that like, as I've grown, particularly in devotion to Mary, um, that's one of those things like Lourdes, you don't have to go to, to, to be Catholic, but more and more, I, I feel like it's really essential, at least maybe as a priest, but I think it's just a Christian to have a relationship to Mary. And even people who don't have a relationship to Mary, if they have a relationship to Jesus, they do have one, you know, in the measure that they have a relationship to Christ, there is no Jesus without Mary. Um, 
not because she is like a necessary being, but he's he's made her necessary for the part of of um, for salvation in relying on her yes. Um, and you just don't have babies without moms, so it's like part of the story. And um, so I do think, and to me, like the rosary. You said it's the devotion par excellence. It, I agree. Like, there's a reason with this vocation director conference. They said uh, some crazy percentage of of newly ordained priests. You know how they do those surveys every year, um, but like nine out of ten said that in their discernment of the priesthood, uh, they participated regularly in Eucharistic adoration and the Rosary. Mm. Um, like, and she just said. This woman that's a, the head of the NCDVD goes, you'd be insane not to make the rosary and Eucharistic adoration a big part of your vocation's efforts. <laughs> that's awesome. That is awesome. Hmm. So that's all I would say is that while it is technically optional, there's a, there's a certain minimalism that I think that attitude can engender. That like, oh, I don't need to have a relationship to, to Mary. And I definitely thought that before I have kind of grown to love her and be loved by her. Um, they're like, Oh, I just don't, I didn't grow up with Mary. I don't really pray the rosary or whatever. And um, it's become essential to me. Huh. Good distinction. I concur on Mary. Yeah. Well, and, and it may not be a part of the official precepts of the church, um, but it certainly is a, like doctrinally and dogmatically, she's finely woven into the rationale of like the soteriology of the faith of the, um, like the essential nature of Christianity. Like you're saying, she's been weaved into the, the story of salvation in in a way that it is essential in, in some way to have a relationship with Mary. And I think our, our doctrines and dogmas reflect that 100%, um, with the teachings that we have on her and, yeah, I mean the divinity of Christ. Yeah, is, like tied up to the, is Mary the mother of God or not? You know, right, the Theotokos. Right. Theotokos. I mean, from the beginning back, of Christian belief, she's been in there. It goes back to the beginning of like Christological conversations. Yeah, there's there's Mariological doctrines that are there that have huge implications mm-hmm. on on Jesus and who God is and and how we're meant to love Him. Mary's essential in that. There's, there's no doubt about that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting. I, I guess just, and I know we gotta, we gotta finish up here in a bit, but, um, the idea of devotions and, you know, maybe like bringing it back even to the morning offering is like, there's a lot of mornings and a lot of times that I'll do a devotional practice and, uh, won't be fully attentive to the words that I'm saying. And it'll just be like, it'll be rote, liturgy of the hours. Like I, I really have to work to be attentive and pray, not just with my mouth and my mind, but with my heart. Um, but then it's like, well, actually through the habitual practice of this, there is something like a, a changing of my whole life. I'm not just looking for a particular experience of God, but it's actually in the boredom and the repetition that a lot of people will actually um, kind of knock the church for, like oh, it's just the same, it's just boring, like we're just saying the same thing over and over again. It's 
like I get what you're saying. And I think the church leaves room to have unique, spontaneous prayer, you know, but espontaneo oración. <laughs> that's what it that's spontaneous prayer yeah. by the way uh but but like doing the same thing over and over again repetitively uh and having that like structure it, it does lead to important encounters with christ that um can develop the personal relationship aspect of it but it also develops like a it develops a world view like it develops your heart and how you see God and see other people and see yourself and see life in a, in like a really fundamental way that I think is necessary and important. And I think devotions catch up in that same, maybe it's like anthropological reality. It's a human reality that we have to do those things repetitively in order to give them really ground into our hearts and in, into our bones. Like we, like I like to say, um, which is interesting because it's many times the critique that mm-hmm. non-Catholics will give, but I think it's also... It's a feature, not a bug. Yeah. Yeah, and I'll finish with this because I do got to get going, but uh, just to bring up the movie Athos. Um, yes, yes. The, uh, the last <clears throat> scene is the old, the old man, the vineyard guy, in his boat fishing with this other super ancient looking monk. And uh, there's this voiceover of him talking while the cameras like they're fishing with the old nets like the apostles and just looks amazing. And uh, (laughs) and he says something like, you know, he's been a monk for like four or five decades and on this mountain doing the same thing over and over again, saying the same prayers, same feast days. And he's like, yeah, you know, it's if I were. To look back on all these years, um, it's been really hard. But I've had two or three experiences that have made it all worth it, and I would do it again. <laughs> You're just like, oh my goodness, what must those experiences have been like? It's Mount Tabor, dude. That's the Transfiguration. That's what I'm saying, dude. It's hilarious. Man. <laughs> that guy devoted like. His whole life, everything, yeah, everything. And I'm like, ah, Jesus, I've been to this holy hour for like 15 <laughs> minutes, dude. Oh, hello. Yeah. Do your thing. McFly. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> Here I am, Lord. I come to do your will. <laughs> That's sarcastic. What is Nathan Goble has one, one of the bravery intentions is like, Remember, Lord, that you came to be the world's savior, not its judge. <laughs> <laughs> like, it sounds so snarky. Mm. Like a judging tone to Jesus. Uh, Don't forget it. <laughs> Don't forget. You're not our judge. You came to be our savior. That's the weakest part of the bravery to me is the intercessions. But yeah, I agreed. Um, cool. Well, we'll see you guys in person in less than a week. Good. Can't wait. Are you bringing the soundboard? Oh yeah, we'll do live live cast. And the microphones? Do I need to bring my microphone? I think I still have my handheld. Yeah, why don't you bring it? Okay. Okay, I'll do that. All right, later, skaters. Yeah. Follow Three Dogs North on Instagram. 
Three Dogs North are Juice, Seabisk, and Michael Metz. Conversations have been edited to sound smarter. Audio and transcripts of this episode are exclusive property of Mundelein Seminary and may not be rebroadcast without the express written consent of Major League Baseball. Good girl.